Let's read our Bibles. Let's open it to the book of John, chapter 13, from verse 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come to God and returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, and you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hello again. Let's pray as we get into God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word and it speaks truth into our lives. Uh, and that your spirit uh, opens it up to us so that we can understand. And we pray this morning you'll help us come before your word with humility, uh, knowing that your power uh, is projected through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not my job. I don't know if anyone's ever said that. That's not my job. You know, you're at work and there's something that's just, it's just not your job. It's below or above your pay grade. Uh, 
this happens, like, as a pastor, the lines of what your job actually are are pretty blurred, right? We have an extensive job description, but there's lots of what goes on in our, in our life and ministry that you're like, is that my job? Is that not my job? Um, so yeah, is that my job? I don't know. Um, I'll give you an example. One day, uh, we were on our way out for a staff lunch. It was myself and, and Leon and Trav and probably a couple of others. And I went to the toilet on the way out. Just thought you'd be interested to know. Uh, but but in the toilet, I, I, it, was, it was pretty hectic, right? Something something was in there. It was brown, and it uh, and it and it hadn't gone down, right? I'm like, oh, someone obviously forgot to flush. Probably one of my kids. Uh, and I uh, I flushed it. Nothing happened. I'm like, oh well, but not my job, right? Not my job. Definitely not. I walked out, and I, and I had a bit of a disgusted look at my face, and I was like, what's up? I'm like, should see what's in there, mate. It won't even flash. And Leon, it's not my job. I don't even know if it's Leon's. But being a servant-hearted man, went into the toilet. I don't know what he used. There's no plunger in there. But uh, but sorted it out, right? Um, He did wash his hands on the way out. Uh, It's not my job. Uh, But sometimes it takes someone to to work below their pay grade, right? Uh, And to do something that is undesirable and no one else wants to do. Uh, we're very blessed, like Leon's not here this morning to hear that story, uh, we're very blessed to have a senior pastor who has a heart like that. Uh, but in the passage we had read this morning, uh, we do see someone operating well below their pay grade, right? Or their role anyway. Jesus, the leader of this ragged group of disciples, washing their feet. Now we've probably, if you've, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this story so many times that you think it's just normal. But it's not, it's shocking, it's shocking. In Jesus' time, people would get around in sandals, on dusty paths that were shared by many people, vehicles, and animals, who, let's face it, are pretty open-minded when it comes to what they consider a toilet, right? And so we, and we all know what it's like to have dry, dusty, cracked feet. We're Aussies. We walk around in thongs or barefoot most of the time. But at the end of the day, uh, I know, for me anyway, I may not have a shower every night before I go to bed, but I'll, I'll, I want to wash my feet if I've been wearing thongs, which is most days, because uh, I want to get into bed and have my feet feeling nice and clean. And, and it's the same when you sit down for a nice, luxurious meal. And that's what we're seeing here. In Jesus' time where servants were commonplace, the task of the lowest servant, the, the apprentice servant, was to wash the feet of everyone at the meal, just so they'd be comfortable and be able to enjoy their meal a little bit more. Filthy job. Getting dust and horse poo from between the toes of cracked, mangled feet Mangled feet that had never seen a pair of nail clippers, let alone a pedicure, right? But here's Jesus, God in flesh, right? God in flesh, the one through whom all things were made, washing the feet of his disciples. But before we go further, you may be asking, uh, what does this have to do with Easter Sunday? That's a good question, right? Uh, Because traditionally, our Bible reading on Easter Sunday is a story about Jesus' resurrection, or something from one of the, uh, the letters describing our resurrection life in Christ. But today, here we are talking about smelly feet. It's a cool story, but does it relate? And if you're concerned about that, uh, because we're skipping the significance of Resurrection Sunday for a completely unrelated passage, just because it happens to be where we're up to in John this week, I want to waylay your fears by telling you that this, although this story took a place a few days before the resurrection... It actually has resurrection written all over it. And we'll get there in a moment. So this morning we're going to walk through this passage together. We're going to look at its direct meaning and application. We're going to see what exactly happened. And then we're going to reevaluate what happened. 
in light of the resurrection and see that the power of this story uh, for us who love and follow Jesus. Before we do that, we've got a, a, a video, a kids cartoon video that will explain the Bible reading to us. We can get that going. Thank you. Stories of the Bible. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. This is Jesus. hey Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He healed many people from their sickness, performed many miracles like calming storms, and even raised people from the dead. At this time, the Jewish people were celebrating a festival called Passover that had been celebrated since the time of Moses when God brought his people out of Egypt. So Jesus and his disciples went to Jerusalem to celebrate. Jesus had 12 men who followed him through his ministry. They were called his disciples. Jesus and his disciples gathered for one final meal together. Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus loved his disciples, and he knew the time was coming for him to leave them and return to heaven. When Jesus came to Peter, he said, Whoa, 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 wait! Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. Peter said, You will never wash my feet. But Jesus then told him that unless he washed his feet, he would not belong to him. Oh, well then, okay! Then Peter said, Then wash my hands and head as well, not just my feet. But Jesus told him that was not necessary. He just needed to wash his feet for Peter to become clean. So Jesus finished washing their feet and said that the disciples should do to others as he had done for them. He told them to follow the example that he had set for them to serve each other and not think of themselves as greater than any other. Then God would bless them for doing as Jesus had taught them to do. I like the way that that video keeps it very clear to the Bible, which is nice. It doesn't embellish it. Uh, and so I think it's a good picture of what actually happened. So what I want to ask now, now that we've had the story reiterated a couple of times, is what does this story teach us? What does this story teach us? The first thing it teaches us is this. It teaches us about Jesus' humility. And that's pretty clear, isn't it? See what's happening here. John gives us a bit of a background in, in verse 2. That the evening meal was in progress. Uh, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So Judas is the one who handed him over to the, to the bad guys to be crucified. Judas has already planned it. And we know from elsewhere in the Gospels that Jesus knew this. Jesus knew what Judas had done. Uh, and then verse 3 tells us, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knows who he is. He knows the power and authority that he has. And what does he do with it? Verse 4 and 5. Well, he got up from the meal, 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Imagine if all power and authority in the world was given to you, right? What would you do with it? If you had unlimited power and authority to do whatever you want, what would you do? Probably wouldn't be get down on a dirty floor and wash filthy feet, would it? I can think of a million better things to do, yet here is our King and Saviour doing just that. And amazingly, including his betrayer, Judas, in this act of service. Now, this is something regularly repeated in the Bible, this humility of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20 that, that he came not to be served, but to serve. And to me, this idea of Jesus as a servant is a great reminder that the Gospels aren't made up. Think about that for a moment. No one in the first century could fathom thinking of a God who serves, a God who humbles himself to get his hands dirty in this way. It's unthinkable uh, and was even actually detrimental to the spread of Christianity in the first century uh, in the Greco-Roman world that saw humility as a character fault. Yet here he is, Jesus, washing the earth he created from the feet of his friends. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus' humility. So that's the first thing we learn. We learn about Jesus' humility. The second thing we learn is that we need to be washed. We need to be washed. Uh, And we see this from Peter's experience. He was understandably shocked in verses 6 to 8. Follow with me. Uh, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Makes no sense, Peter says. My master can't wash my feet. But Jesus makes it clear that it is actually necessary. To have a relationship with Jesus is to be cleansed by him. Peter didn't understand it, but Jesus said he he soon would. Because this act of foot washing is more than just a nice gesture. It's more than just a good example to us of how to serve, or although it is both of those things, it is actually a living parable. It is a metaphor. It it means something. Jesus' washing of the disciples' feet was symbolic of his sacrifice on the cross, his ultimate act of service, laying down his life to cleanse and to forgive the sins of the world. And he reminds Peter here that you need it, mate. You need cleansing. You need forgiveness. And he reminds us today that we need it. We need cleansing. The sacrifice that we remembered two days ago on Good Friday is is what makes this cleansing possible. The Bible says by default we're, we're at war with God, right? We choose our own way instead of his way, but Jesus died to take the punishment that we deserve. It's what Good Friday is about. And when we believe and trust in him, we're cleansed. We're made pure. We're made good. We're made right in God's sight. We're brought from enmity to friendship with God. So do you know that? You know that Jesus wants to serve you, serve you by forgiving you, cleansing you, washing not just your feet, but all of you from the way that you've rebelled and turned against God the way you've treated others or treated yourself. 
Jesus wants to serve you in that way. So if this foot washing is symbolic of Jesus' great act of service and humility, he's, he's dying for us, then our response to his humility is actually humility too. To actually acknowledge, to acknowledge that, that you are in fact dirty, I am in fact dirty, and we are in need of cleansing. The truth is that if we believe ourselves to be clean, good, unstained by sin, then you're not going to come to Jesus for cleansing and forgiveness, are you? If you think you're top and all right, you're not going to come to Jesus and ask for cleansing and forgiveness. If you feel self-sufficient, strong and able to find life and peace and meaning and, and the good life and on your own, then you're not going to come to Jesus for life or for meaning. And the story of foot washing here forces us to stop and to look at ourselves and realize that we're not all we should be. We need cleansing. We need a new path to life and meaning that we can't forge ourselves. But that's all right. Because the creator of the universe strips down to his underwear and offers to cleanse and revive us. And I know that on Easter Sunday, we often have visitors. And so if you're here, maybe you've been coerced or maybe you're just doing mum or a favour or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's many people who have never come to Jesus to be washed or cleansed. And this passage asks you to consider it. Will you consider the fact that it's only through Jesus that you can find peace with God and consequently peace with yourself and with the situation that you find yourself in? Hold on to that thought. I'd love to pray with you afterwards and to talk more about that. Jesus wants to serve you by cleansing you and bringing you to new life. So we see Jesus' humility. We see that we need to be washed. But then we see that believers, Christians, are meant to serve like Jesus. If you're a Christian here, you are expected to serve in the way that Jesus serves. This is heavy. Have a look at verse 12 onwards. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher, uh, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. The point Jesus is making here is that if he, God in human form, if he serves this way, then so should we as believers. He is our master. We should do as he does. If it's not above his pay grade, then it's definitely not above our pay grade. And it's not just the physical act of washing feet that Jesus talks about here. But it's the very thing that that washing of feet represents. The laying down of one's life. Listen to what he says to his disciples later that evening in John 15. It'll be up on the slide. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. See the three steps in this? Step one, command, love one another. Step two, the example, laying down your life for your friends. And step three, the evidence. What's the evidence? Well, you are my friends if you do what I command. Laying down your life for others. We serve. Sorry, how do we know for Jesus' friends? We do what he says. And what is that? We serve and love others, even to the point of death. 
And when Jesus uses such extreme language, saying, give up your life for your brothers and sisters, he's not just saying, all you have to do is die for someone, right? Because it's unlikely you'll ever be in a position to do that. I've never had to die for someone before. My evidence here on stage is, is clear of that. Um, but, but I'm sure you haven't either. The fact that you're alive means that you've never died for anyone. Uh, so Jesus isn't just saying, you have to go and die for someone. But he's using this extreme of death to convey everything up until the point of death. So you, you need to be willing to die for someone. But what about everything else along the way? If we're willing to die for others, we should be willing to do everything else along that point. Give up your lives, yes. But also give up your time, your money, your energy, your pride, even getting down on your knees to wash dirty feet. Jesus says that we are to copy him, to serve and love the way that he did. Do we? Do you? Are you willing to wash, literally wash the feet of another, to die for another? But let's give more common examples. Are you willing to get up and greet a new person that walks through these doors on a Sunday? Are you willing to talk to someone who's different, unusual, uh, maybe smells strange? Are you willing to cook a meal for someone in need? Are you willing to open your doors to lonely people? Are you willing to give your hard-earned cash to gospel work or to help the poor? Are you willing to give up a few of your precious, precious hours to serve in ministry? Because if we can't do these things, then we're kidding ourselves if we think we're actually going to lay our lives down for someone, right? And you know what? Verse 7 says this. Uh, Sorry, verse 17 says this. Now that you know these things to serve, like I've served Jesus says, you'll be blessed if you do them. Blessed means lucky, happy. And so paradoxically, the only way to have a happy, fulfilled life is to expend it for the glory of God in serving other people. Say that again. The only way to have a happy and fulfilled life is to spend it for the glory of God in serving other people. So maybe this idea that to find inner peace and tranquility and and the life we've always wanted, we just need more me time, we need more self-care, more focus on number one, maybe, maybe that's a lie. Yes, it is important to look after your mental health, definitely. It is important to love yourself in a healthy way. But Jesus is saying here the true, the, the true key to a happy and fulfilling and blessed life is to do it for the glory of God by serving others. But hold on, Kieran. This is pretty hectic. How are we, mere mortals, which all of us are, how are we supposed to express such humility, selflessness and servitude? It's one thing for Jesus to do it, right? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. It's probably easy for him. But I've got a long way to get to this point. This is costly, this sort of service, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to spend that much time or money or energy or social capital or reputation to serve in this sort of way. How can I, a human being, serve like him? Jesus, God in flesh. I'm glad you asked. Because... This is where we get to the resurrection in this passage, right? This is where this sermon becomes an Easter Sunday sermon. Uh, And I want to bring things home by saying this. Without the resurrection of Christ from the dead, there's no point even trying. Without the resurrection of Christ from the dead, there's no point even trying to serve others in the way that he commands us to. But we're gathered here today because we believe he's not dead anymore, right? We believe that Christ is risen. Uh, And when we tap into the truth of the power of the resurrection, we can have the same attitude as Jesus. 
we tap into the truth of the power of the resurrection, we can have that same servant heart as Jesus. I've already mentioned that the washing of the feet was a symbol. It was a metaphor of Jesus' great act of sacrifice. Let's explore that a bit further. And to do that, I want to take you back to another passage where Jesus talks about his death and resurrection. It's still in John, but it's back uh, in chapter 10. We've got it up on the screen, or you can, uh, you can flick to it in your Bibles. John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. Jesus is talking uh, before his death about how he will die and rise again. He says this, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it back up again, right? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. This command I received from my father. He's laying down his life to take it back up again. He lays down his life to take it back up again, right? Let that image stay in your mind. He lays down his life to take it back up again. Now turn back to John chapter 13 and verses 4 and 12. This will come up on the screen too. And I want you to read this with me and pay attention to what's underlined. Verse 4. So he, Jesus, got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He took off his outer clothing. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Took off put on. Seems a little similar, hey, but maybe it was just the actions I was doing, you know. Well, actually, if you look at the original Greek, you see that it's very similar. Next slide, please. Uh, Lay down and take off are the same word in Greek. And pick up uh, and take up and put on are the same word in Greek. Have a look at that. Lay down and take off are the same word in Greek. Pick up and put on are the same word in Greek. So you could say this, that in John 13, you could, you could retranslate that passage and say that Jesus in verse 4 laid down his garment only in verse 12 to pick it back up again. This garment is a, this garment is a symbol of his life, of his authority to lay down his own life and to pick it back up again. The foot washing is symbolic of his death and his resurrection, the laying down of his life and the picking it back up again. Thanks. It looks as though John did this on purpose, right? Because as we've seen, the washing of the feet is symbolic. It's something that wouldn't be understood until later on, and us on the other side of Jesus' resurrection get it. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his feet. Have a look again, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. Jesus knew this. All things were under his power. He'd come from God. He was returning to God. And so what did he do? Well, the night before he died, he laid down his garment. And the next day, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he was returning to God. So he laid down his life. Why? Because he knows he'll take it back up again. The removal of that outer garment was temporary. He knew he would be raised. And it's when you know you're going to be raised that you have the freedom to live with reckless abandon to lay your life down. Throw away your rights. Waste your precious time and money for the sake of others. That's why Jesus did what he did. And that's the point we need to grasp if we're going to do the same. To have the courage to lay your life down for others, you need to grasp the truth of the resurrection. And the truth of the resurrection is this. Because Jesus rose again, all believers will too. 
We'll have new life. This life is not the end. One day we'll pick up our lives again. New, perfect, radiant garments that are given to us, cleansed by Jesus. And this truth empowers us and equips us to give our lives in the service of others. Consider these statements. When I know that infinite rest awaits me because of the resurrection, I can serve tirelessly. When I know that infinite peace awaits me because of the resurrection, I can deal with difficult people and tough conversations. When I know that I will inherit the infinite riches of God's grace because of the resurrection, I can just throw away my money for the good of others. When I know that in my Father's house there is a place for me because of the resurrection, I can lay down the comfort of having a nice, quiet, comfortable home. And when I know that God's comfort is available to me because of the resurrection, I can lay down my search for comfort and weep with those who weep. When I know that God's approval and love is lavished upon me, I can lay down my own search for significance. And when I know that I'm made beautiful by the one who rose again, I can lay down my striving to be wanted and loved. When I know that eternal life awaits me because of the resurrection... I can lay down my life because I know that one day, because of Jesus, I'll pick it back up again. And so I call you today, Easter Sunday, to behold the empty tomb. He's risen. And if you are a Christian, one day you too will rise to new life. And that life begins now, right? You're already in it. You're in this new life that's going to last forever. This resurrection life that's dedicated to serving others for the glory of God. It's our task. It's our job. So go and spend your life, waste your life in the service of others because you know the life you'll pick back up is going to be ridiculously more beautiful than this one. And again, I call you to behold the empty tomb. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this message is not just for Christians here but maybe people who aren't. If you're not a believer in Jesus, remember first and foremost, we need to be washed by Jesus. We need to be cleansed by the servant king. The creator of this universe offers to strip off his outer garment and get down on his knees and cleanse you, make you better, give you the life that you need, reconcile you to God. It's only through trusting in him that we are able to have the capacity to serve in this way and to bless and change the world that the disciples have. Christ is risen. And this truth is not worth ignoring because we need to be washed and the world needs to be served. That's why we need to take hold of this beautiful truth of Jesus rising from the dead. Let's pray.